Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Got a big crew, got a big pod. A lot has happened in the week of Tottenham Hotspur. Unlike last week when we had no news, it's all the news this week. We've got a lot to talk about and a lot of people to do it with. So let's start by throwing it around the room. We'll start by throwing it out to Southern California. My friend Todd, he is at TC under, underscore Kasho. TC, what's going on, mate? Hey, any uh, any day, y'all. Any day that um, you can sign Premier League players who are proven is a good fucking day. Let me tell you. Um, I don't know that I've ever been this excited uh, on July 3rd of a preseason as a Tottenham Hotspur fan. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit of a weird feeling having knowing that there's still about two months left in the window and Spurs have already made four you know important signings and um, we know that are, there are more to come uh, scott is also with us he is at dsm spurs on twitter scott what's going on mate not much man i snagged a little low league title last night that was great um <laughs> i i hadn't won a trophy in like nine seasons i think so it was big um i uh, unfortunately real madrid just activated i'm barcelona at the moment did i say that but no you didn't uh, yeah, I am. It, it, it was a big, big moment for my family getting that job. And we got La Liga, but unfortunately, Real Madrid just activated a release clause of $115 million for my my prize possession. I mean, the guy, we we, we won our first 17 games, 17-0 to start the season, and then we drew. But this guy was a huge reason for that, and Real Madrid, again, just activated the release clause, but I'll go buy buy a replacement. So, anyways, we yeah, need a, going on. We, we we need a mute button on this podcast. We we need us we need a separate <laughs> podcast for Scott's uh, football manager endeavors. Football we ma- know that that's we know that that's why, not why people come to the Tottenham Depot, but they get it anyway. Especially in the first five minutes of a podcast, it's it's important that we that we hammer all of that out. So, and for anyone who's been like following the, the football managerial college. career of Scott, they'll know how much of a coup this is, and we appreciate yeah. that. But uh, if you don't, um, that may have may have been a little flat. Maybe we'll spin yeah. off a separate podcast for him, and uh, and or a separate, even a separate Twitter feed or something, and he, we can get results there so that we can, you know, keep it armchair football manager. Yeah, like something it. like that. Uh, Shuban is also with us. He is at the real Shuban, all the way from London. Shubs, what's going on, man? I'm good. Um, so obviously, yeah, we had Guns and Roses uh, for the two days in that uh, North London, and um, creating a lot of traffic. So everyone was really pleased about that. And um, yeah, obviously, um, obviously, actually, actually, um, uh, Kaz's um, little uh, things inspired me to say. My friend Zoe on Twitter, 
come with a great Richarlison song. He goes, na 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 Richarlison. So yeah, that is no, that is our song for Richarlison. Fair enough. That's an easy, simple one. I like that. As you mentioned, well, go ahead, Todd. I was just going to say, I would like to thank um, Axel and Slash and Duff McKagan for playing, paying for Eve Basuma. Cheers to them. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one, and that's something that we'll come on to later as well. Uh, Caroline is also with us, as Shubon mentioned. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on? Hey guys, uh, good to be back, hanging in there. Um, I'm wondering when Adele is going to be doing her concert at the stadium. Um, I feel like they should be announcing that any day now. Yeah, I know Lady Gaga in a couple weeks, but Adele at the at, at the stadium would certainly be an event that would be a big deal obviously she was uh, a high part last night she can't be in two places at once come on no that's true and i i i did see some article about how she's been a wreck since having to cancel vegas shows um so best to her get get back on board but this is not an adele podcast it's not a guns and roses podcast um it's certainly not a football manager podcast it is a tottenham hotspur podcast so we're going to talk about tottenham hotspur um big week richarlison uh done dusted uh we've we've got our man we've got our our backup attacker i guess but not really because tottenham hotspur just signed everton's best player and it's kind of weird because i know there's a lot of um conjecture about that like if you know spurs made champions league should they really just be going and signing players from brighton and everton but they've signed two really good players two premier league ready players and richarlison is a big get and he's the second highest uh signing you know, in terms of cost in Tottenham Hotspur's history behind Tangi and Dabale. So I think this is a big deal. Um, I guess th- we start with, with Todd and like, how pumped are you for this? Because I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think this is a big deal. Okay. So for anybody who's listening to this podcast for any length of time understands my feelings about Richarlison. Um, but what I will say is in terms of uh, Tottenham Hotspur acquiring a commodity, take the name off of this player and just put the player up there. This is an incredible get. They literally pulled the best player off of Everton's team, stuck him on a reserves bench and said, Hey, we'll sort it out as, uh, as we find a place for you. Um, what I appreciate about this more than anything else is the ambition that this shows. Okay. Yes. We're purchasing players from Brighton and Everton, uh, but we're purchasing their best players and we're purchasing the players that any of the other top six, top six teams in England would absolutely be buying. And to be fair, and we're going to come on to this later, but I don't think that you can overstate this point. We got a, it was an absolute coup, the amount of money that we paid to get Ibasuma on this team. Okay, so yeah. say what you want to say uh, uh, about that, but from a business standpoint, the moves for Basuma and Richarlison specifically showed ambition that i haven't seen from a spurs side scott is the amount paid for richarlison i mean i know the simple answer is it's not our money but like is that is that the fair price or is this an overpay because i've seen a lot of that kind of talk out there too why are they paying so much for a player that that that, that won't crack the, the starting 11 every week but in my mind it's important to go get these guys to build the depth out on a team that we know is going to be playing in the champions league and going to have a lot of games, especially we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last month, but that fixture list, especially in October and then turn around in April because of the world cup in the middle of the season, it's going to be a lot and you're going to need a lot of depth and, and players like this, right? Yeah. I mean, not by fucking money, right? Always. <laughs> no, 
I mean, all that is kind of my answer, right? But all jokes aside, if I if I want to give some more some more detail or context, right? Premier League players come at a premium. It's all over the TV rights. We understand that, right? I just I, I said it two episodes ago. I don't give a fuck what you have to pay for this guy. Get him in. He scored. He was involved in 15 goals in the Premier League last season. Great player. It was. It's a no brainer. And honestly, like anyone who's listened the last three or four episodes, I've been banging on about how we need to sign Richarlison ASAP and get him in. And I'm just I'm stoked that we that we got this done. I really think it was one of the most important signings in the clubs. You know, probably last five years. Um, and probably the most important signing for me since Erickson, actually. And he's got a lot of a lot to live up to when I say that, right? But I just mean for what we need right now. Um, at the time when we signed Erickson, we we had no sense of of creation in the middle of the park, and right now we have no depth up top, and it's been our catalyst for like again five seasons. It's cost us every single year, so it's a, it's a huge signing for us, and. Interestingly enough, we we couldn't do this without the combination of us pipping Champions League and Everton being in the position they were in, right? Um, yeah. Otherwise, this never happened. So it's it's a huge deal for me, and I expect him to. My hot take is that Richarlison starts as many games as Kulisevsky in the Premier League next season. Actually, so I think that's a that's a reasonable yeah i think that's a reasonable assumption and take um i I certainly think at least the appearances will be about on point and and to and to your point about everton being in the position this of course happened partially you know at the time that it happened because they needed to get their budget squared away by the end of june so that's that is an important part of this that that needs to be noted go ahead really really quick too i think we just we have to point out again and this is like dakota's bid but he's not here so i'll do it for him Kudos to Tottenham Hotspur in the decision making at the top. It hasn't always been perfect, right? But fucking look at Everton, like holy shit! Two two seasons ago, I I had to hear people on podcasts tell me they were going to get top four if Tottenham would just act like Everton. You know, we'd be um, you know in much better place. We need to start spending money and making decisions more amply. Like what the fuck? That club is in shambles because they're buying everybody who the media says is good at whatever price the 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 you know the the club wants for that said person. So, so it's a disaster. And, you know, shout, shout to Everton for being in a position to have to sell us for Charleston. Appreciate yeah, it. no, that's fair. Shuban, you've seen Richarlison play in person. Uh, what, how do you think he fits into this current iteration of Tottenham Hotspur? All right. Well, when I first saw him, he was still a kid. He was about 19. He had just joined from Watford to Everton. So he was still learning the Premier League stuff like that. And he wasn't the player you thought, oh my God, he's going to cause us a problem. But, you know, but most of them, again, he is someone you think, oh, he could, you know, give us, a, you know, if he gets on the ball, he's quick, he's direct, he can do things. But um, no, I mean, do you know what? If, if those of you know, I'm never going to give Dakota any compliment at all. But um, he said one thing that he said, look, big clubs do this. They sign the best players from clubs below them. I don't, I wouldn't know if it's, I, it is Richarlis. Richarlis probably is the, the, probably the best player that Everton had at that time, right now. And Zuma is probably one of Brian's best players. And it basically, I'm not trying to mind uh, Jack from um, Royal Royce. Do you know what? They buy the best players and they are not, they, they don't come in. They will automatically come in. Because if you look at, say, 
when United took Carrick and Berbatov off us. Carrick and Berbatov were not the were not well, our best were, 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 were amongst our top players, but they weren't amongst United. And again, right. similar to what Rao did. When Rao took Luca, I met a Bale. Bale obviously went on to become an incredible player, but he wasn't the best player at Real Madrid. They took the best player from team below, from team and level below them, and they um, what should I call it? They weren't guaranteed, and that's what I hate to use a big club because I. Just, I don't, I don't mean no, but it makes sense. I don't, I don't use that term, but I'm just saying, I don't want to use, but just I'm saying it's just, it's, you know, I think the combination of quite a few things. I mean, talked about, I mean obviously, I'm, as some of you guys know, I'm very close to a lot of guys at Everton, uh, the NSA, NSA podcasts and stuff like that. And, um, but you want the thing is to do what? We've had the right coach. I mean, they lost Ancelotti, and Ancelotti made a huge difference. And, that, you know, they spoke warm with Ancelotti. He went on to obviously run with come calling. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I don't think he's done too shabbily. You know what I mean, winning the league in Champions League, you know, on the way back. And um, like I said, it's you have to, you know, I said that's what big clubs do. But I said, whether it'll be interesting to see how he does um, coming forward. Because like I said, like I said, when I saw him, he was a very skinny teenager. I mean, he still he still had developed into his body. And now, if you look at him, he's a lot more bigger, he's a lot more solid, and he's a lot more confident because there's. I think TC can appreciate this. You want a shithouse. He wasn't that. He was a very polite young man. Yeah. He is I don't know why he developed that attitude, but he's developed a real, like, I don't know, shit-kicking attitude. I don't know what you're oh. Well, yeah, no, you saw it. Shub's on his social media this week. He absolutely posted stuff just letting those clowns down the road know what's going on. And that's the yeah. thing. The, the point that you made, Shubes, is, is a really good one, or that Dak made, or or, or the point that was made in this instance. Um the teams that we're looking to chase down do this. You look at, um, you know, Mares. You look at uh, Jota to Liverpool. That's essentially what we've done here with this both is of the, these yeah. moves. And we made that this point is, last week. This is the Jota to Liverpool move for us. Exactly. But, I mean, even that, if you look at what we've done, and this is something that we can come on to in more depth, Andrew, but if you look at what we've done in this window just to this point in time, it's very logic-driven. Mm-hmm. It's very reason-based. It's very calculated. And it's extremely intentional. Well, and it's the splitting, it's the spinning plates method that, that Alistair Gold always talks about with, with Paratici. I mean, it's, you know... For, we talked last week at length about Richarlison versus Rafina, and you know there were other names kind of in that mix as well. And it's it's Richarlison, and I guess the question I have for you, Caroline, is we we've talked a lot about a for we've talked for years really about a backup for Harry Kane. And while Richarlison isn't that exact, you know, set number nine backup for Harry Kane, in my mind, he's the fifth player for a front three, and you, these are not completely interchangeable parts. They're not perfect. But they all kind of fit in in terms of Kane, Son, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, and I guess you would throw Lucas Moura into that mix, excluding Steven Bergvine because we all kind of think he's gone uh, this summer at some point. But I think Lucas Moura gets thrown as kind of the fifth player for three different front three spots. I guess my question is, is that enough depth or is is one more piece needed for that front three? Or do we think five for three right now in, in, in again, noting that not all of those players can play exactly up top or on the left or on the right or whatever, but in general, those five players for three spots, is that going to be enough to get Tottenham Hotspur through this season? I think it's definitely enough. Um, I think we all know we could probably upgrade on Lucas still, but 
the thing that I like about Richarlison is that I don't consider him a backup to Kane. I think he is someone who's going to allow Kane to actually get some rest throughout the season for once because he's not, Richarlison's not just going to be coming on, you know, in garbage time as a sub for Kane. You know, he he's capable of starting in place of Kane. And that's really what we've been asking for as a fan base, I feel like for years now. And, you know, for the same reason, we can't complain when it comes to the transfer fee because, you know, we haven't liked in the past when we've had players come in who don't have that Premier League experience. And Richarlison already has that, you know, several seasons under his belt. You know, he's proven that he can he can come up clutch in key moments. So, you know, I, I was kind of on the fence about him when he first got linked with us, um, partially because I slightly favored Rafinha, but that's in the past now. <laughs> um, but I will say, I think along with Todd, I kind of had that hesitation of like, this is a guy who has a reputation for diving. And is that really what we want? Um, but I, I've kind of come around on him and I will say there's a great article out on the athletic right now talking about his life nice. off the pitch, which I definitely recommend that people read. Um, cause it, it paints him in a totally different light and I, I feel like he's actually quite a good guy. So I think we've yeah. got a pretty good player and someone who's going to bring versatility to the front line, flexibility, like all the things that we've been asking for. Yeah, it's it's really that fourth uh, for in baseball terms. Apologies, Andrew. It's that fourth outfielder, and every team needs one. Uh, and, and and if you're looking at it, you know you play the amount of games that you play. And the old adage is in in baseball is it's 162 games. Like you got to get a break somewhere along the line. And like when you have that for three players, it's it's the same sort of situation here. We're looking at four competitions, and we're looking to be a force in a league that kicks the shit out of you every single week. And Harry Kane has glass ankles. It was an anomaly last year. And you can really base it on the fact that mentally he was still in fucking Bora Bora for the first three months of the season. <laughs> but my guy actually made it through the year without getting injured, which was miraculous. And the thing is, is that won't happen again. It just won't. And so when you're looking at that, you're going, okay, there were so many times, Andrew, that Conte looked over to the bench and was old mother Hubbard, Hubbarding his ass off. Yes. And so this is the type of thing that really solves that problem. But the initial question you asked is, is it enough? And the answer is, fuck no. You want is it more. ever enough? Is it ever enough? And the answer for the top teams in the world is, fuck no. Well, and really, really quick to, to that point, the last thing I wanted to say on, on, on this whole deal is, I think... And this isn't directed at all at anyone who had to come around on Richarlison, but I think like if if a very novice new soccer fan came up to me and said, "Tell me about Richarlison," all I would have to say is he's a significant part of the Brazilian setup, and that person would immediately understand the impact of this player that we're bringing in, right? And here's the thing: he's not going to walk into our first eleven. Like we just signed a guy who's part of the Brazilian setup will be at the Brazil World Cup squad and is not going to walk into our first 11, right? That is, He's that their starting why. nine. What? Yeah. He's their starting number nine. Yeah, exactly. Like, he starts for Brazil, right? So he's going to come into our setup and not start. Like, that is that is the best way I can describe how significant the signing is at this moment in time for this club. It's huge, right? And I think anyone who starts for Brazil, I don't care if they roll around. Everyone does, right? Um 
I, all I care is that they're a very talented soccer player who, as Caroline mentioned, happens to be a really fucking good person from what we understand, right? Get him in. I, I just, I'm so excited. But um, yeah. Yeah, let's just say he has the very opposite political views of of another Tottenham Brazilian forward. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, Correct. it's just, that Correct. is the one piece. No, I, mean, I don't think we can leave it there, Andrew. And Kaz, I'll Go ahead. your opinion on this because th- this is kind of something that looking at it from the outside in, l- taking that into consideration, uh, taking into the consideration the um, the obvious uh, back and forth that has been had between him and Romero on the pitch. Um, this is possibly an oil and water situation as we're looking at it right now. How much concern do we actually have about him, his interjection into the locker room being kind of uh, a concern? I wanted to come on to that too, Todd, because I... Let's 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 play this game right now. Let's play big deal, little deal, no deal, because and, and we're going to play this later with another topic. But I kind of think this is a little deal. I, I don't think it's no deal and I don't think it's a big deal. But I think there's something to this conversation about his, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, him and Romero potentially needing to become frenemies and. You know, just this idea that he's I think on the field, I think it works. I think he's there's a lot to be said about what what Richarlison can bring. As you said, he's Brazil's number nine. He's not going to play that exact role here, but he can he can do wing stuff and and be a backup on on different sides. But the off the field stuff, I think, is a thing. And I think it's something that Antonio Conte wouldn't have brought him in if he thought it was going to be a real issue. But I do think it's something he's going to have to work out going forward. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, I think first of all, he—that's how he. Do you know his thing? Romero and Richarlison are winners. They want to win, and they'll do everything. You know, they—they will throw their mothers overboard to win. Do you know what I mean? That's what they will do, and that's why these are two very competitive people, and they basically happen to be on the same side and clashed quite a few times. And at the Argentina Brazilian thing, yes, that's going to happen, but. I think, first of all, obviously, if you have uh, a native Portuguese speaker or two, actually, in Dyer and um, Lucas Mora. So I think that will help. And Emerson. Let's go. And, well, and Emerson, if Emerson's still around, yeah. So I think that will help build a few bridges. And you know what? If there's one thing that Brazilians and Argentinians love, it's barbecue. So I'm thinking, you know, the Brazilians, Argentinians call it asado. Brazilians call it chascoria. They'll just get the, they'll just get the meat. They'll just get the, they'll fire the grill. They'll be like going to Scotty. Scott, we need we need some brisket recipes. You know what I mean? Can you can you can you barbecue bringing recipes? people together, man? I'm making <laughs> some carne asada tomorrow. <laughs> Let's go. You got some rudies. We'll get the meat on the grill, and yeah, you know, and hopefully Scott will be back at some point to talk about it. <laughs> and, um, I mean, they'll get the meat on the grill, and we'll <laughs> be because that's the thing. I mean, if you think about um, when Sunny first joined, and this is something interesting that came up, we were about to sign Sarah Sada Berahino. That was was the rumor. But when Sonny said, when Sonny first joined, the first thing he did was he he did a, like a, 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 a Korean barbecue, invited a bunch of people, chefs to you know bring some South Korean food, and now this is like, hello, this is I'm Sonny, this is my culture, blah blah blah. I'm not saying Richardson will have to do that because yeah, you know, I don't know. Richardson is doing the best he can for Everton, and yeah. what, now he's wearing our colours. He's doing the best he can for us, and that's yep. what I want. That's what Romero will do for. That's what you want. You want, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about assuming later, later, but you want someone who's going to come in and kick the shit out of people. I mean, like, do you know when, when, do you know how to put it? It's kind of like, we, but when I think, when, when, I don't know if it's going to but when, when Noshi first meet, 
Hoiberg is going to welcome Bassoon with a big, massive tackle, saying, you want my spot? Come and take it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what it's going to be. I think Richarlison and uh, Romero, they'll go into it because they're natural. They're, they're natural competitors. And you see, I don't know, in, in your American football, it can get very, very antagonistic and lame basketball. I mean, some, I mean, Scott, I mean, um, what should I call it? Um, as you know a lot better than I would, but teammates can get into it on the basketball field and training, right? And then they're traded and they've got to be buddies. So. Yeah, the NBA is a hot mess right now. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> Caroline, right. big deal, little deal, no deal on this. The the, the Romero and Richarlison uh, beef, I guess we're going to call it. I think very little deal. I mean, it could be at initially a bit of an issue, but I, I think a little bit of competition is fine. I mean, Conte wants there to be that sort of competitive spirit within the squad, you know, the fighting for places. And I I think they both will come to care about the club enough that they will put their personal differences aside, you know, their country loyalties aside and, and be good teammates. I'm not really concerned about it. Fair enough. Scott, do you have any, anything to add on this, this beef, or do you think it's a big deal, little deal, no deal situation? Um, I, I'll say, I'll say big deal, but in a positive way. Um, and what I mean by that is, is Shuban kind of beat me to it, but, I think when you look at these two, they are just stark competitors who happen to be kind of that like spiritual leader, for lack of a better way of explaining it, on the field, right? And it's Brazil, Argentina. So like, of course, they're going to butt heads, but it's not so much that they like hate each other. They're just like supposed to do that, right? Because it's Brazil, Argentina, and they're both super competitive. So um, yeah, that's fine. They're going to be just fine. But ultimately, I, I look at these two... And I think it's an opportunity to say, okay, let's take that competitive edge and let's stand together against City and Liverpool and all this fucking bullshit and like go get a Premier League title together, right? Um, I'm excited. I think any time you get two hard-headed, super competitive people, regardless of, of you know their interactions with one another on the field, it's only positive. I, I, I totally agree with you. And you know, the, the grander point and Todd, this is something that we kind of talked about as we kind of closed the book on, on discussing Richarlison. This, this is the kind of signing that just fills me with more. And you guys know me, I'm way more guarded and way more reserved and way more, um, however dark you mysterious, it, dark and mysterious about my excitement for, for Todd. I'm way more, you know, even keel and just let's see how all this plays out. This is the kind of signing that it, and it's not so much about Richarlison. It's about the type of player that Richarlison is coming into a squad like this where it's just going to make everyone better. This is the kind of thing that gets me really amped and gets me, you know, really itching for the start of the season, which, as we know, is only about a month away now um, as we look at the calendar, which is insane. But, like, it, it's the kind of signing that has me thinking, oh, how is Conte going to manage all of these pieces? How is he going to put this puzzle together? And I think more than anything, I'm just excited to see that play out and see how all of it works out. Um, that being said, I think we can close the book on Richarlison for now and talk about there's two other signings that are kind of waiting in the wings. And they're not they're not a guarantee by any stretch, because as I always say, nothing is. But Jed Spence and Clement Lengley. Uh, Okay. Thank, thank you, thank you for the pronunciation correction, Chuban. I was gonna just go with it and roll over it, but oh, I thought Dak had joined the podcast for a second. Yeah, no kidding. Um, 
these are the two that are kind of out there in the ether and the the deal for for Lanley would be a, a, a loan from Barcelona the Jed Spence one has been talked about now for what like six weeks um from Nottingham Forest but how I guess confident are we on either of these do we think that these are I've seen a lot of the stuff on on Lanley about how he's a Barcelona reject and there's a lot of people that are not really excited about that move um, because it feels like a third option at center back, but <clears throat> I don't know, man, this club needs more depth at, at the center back, uh, position, right, Todd. And that's, I feel like if, if, if he's the guy, if, if, if you can't go get Bastoni, you know, go get this guy and, and bring him in and let's, let's roll. First off, I don't know necessarily that Bastoni's done. Uh, secondly, what I would say on a long lay is anybody who's talking shit about, oh, Barcelona reject, blah, 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 blah. I have two things for you. One, check out his work for Sevilla before he went to Barcelona. And two, take a look at the comments around, uh, Benteker and specifically Kulisewski signing, uh, when, when people came in, uh, shut the fuck up and let Conte work. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's very fair. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I don't think he's the one that's that's like, oh, this is our big left-sided center back signing. I think he's the Richarlison of our back line. I think he's the guy that can play multiple positions. I think he's the guy that we'd be comfortable with, um, you know, in possession, kind of the anti-Davidson Sanchez, I guess, uh, <laughs> on the left-hand side if we need him to be, or cover for Dyer if we need him to be. Like I said, I think that it's his flexibility that makes him attractive and the fact that he's alone. So if it doesn't work out, kick rocks. Uh, my take on it is that this is a show of confidence in Ben Davis to you know, keep that starting spot for another season. Um, and personally, like I'm fine with that. I'm fine with us possibly kicking the can down the road on you know, bringing in a, a higher quality left center back. But... Again, like Todd said, you know, people thought that Kulu and Benton Kerr were going to be a total flop. So you just you really never know until a player comes. Um, and let's face it, how many players have struggled at Barcelona for reasons that are not always like football related? <laughs> so their club is kind yeah. of a mess right now. Caroline just beat me to it. I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think a good buddy of mine, uh, Mark Holmes, mentioned that he was very very good in a back three prior to going to Barcelona and he started for the French team prior to his Barcelona move so Barcelona kind of ruined this dude and I'm not surprised I mean the last as you just said Carolyn the last three years have been a dumpster fire at that club managers in and out um no direction like and then playing in a in a formation that he wasn't suited to so I I I'm really excited about this guy my cousin feels pretty strongly that he'll end up starting over Davies. And um, I don't know. I've heard a few other people that feel that way. I think my cousin's not a Spurs fan. And I, I'm I'm a little bit – I lean more towards Davies. Davies is immovable at the moment, right? But, um, you know, he's going to give Davies a good run, I think, at left center back, which you need. Like, as much as I've been banging on about how we got to let the homegrowns go and not not be so emotional when we sell these guys that are from the the, the ranks, right? We got to we got to accept that our fan favorites, like a Ben Davies, are going to get benched at some point by better players, right? That's just how these things work. So I'm excited for him to come in and and compete, and um, I think it's a really good signing. So I hope it gets done. 
Well, and if nothing else, you know, you talk about the the Ben Davis thing, and and look, Ben Davis played immaculately for Spurs down the stretch of the season, and obviously we saw what he did for Wales against Ukraine in that World Cup qualifier. He was man of the match, in my opinion, in that game. Yeah. And I, I'm 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 almost like I almost want to like like whack you on the nose with a newspaper for even saying the word homegrown because there's been a lot of conversation about homegrown players in the last week that is really annoying to me. Everybody's flipping out about homegrown numbers and this and that. Um, I'm not calling Davis homegrown. I, I'm just no, I, I, I know, but I, I, I want to nip that in the bud because I don't want to have a conversation about numbers and 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 homegrown no, versus foreign it. players. It's not my problem. Not my job. It's right, not your. And and here's the other thing, and I've seen this point made a lot on the internet this week. Um, I think that uh, that that Paratici and Conte and everyone that work at at Tottenham Hotspur, I think I'm pretty sure they're aware of how many homegrown players they can have in in certain competitions. I don't think we need to be pointing it out all the time. I think they know the rules and I think they're going to play within the rules. Um, it's just, it's, it's hilarious to see, to see the freak out every transfer window about our Spurs going to have too many foreign born players um, or non homegrown players. It's, it, it's something that annoys me. It annoys me more than actual transfer discussion. And everyone knows how much actual transfer discussion annoys me. So I just want to nip that in the bud before we even get there. Um, Hey, there is something you said that on Twitter you do not have to spend hours grueling through a job that's not yours to do. You can just like interact with people and enjoy and not worry about the things that people are paid millions at Tottenham Hotspur to do. So, well, bingo. Um, To your point about Davis, though, yes, like I think we all came into this transfer window thinking, where's the spot on the back line that Spurs can? seriously improve and it's probably at the left center back spot but we're saying that after ben davis played really well and has improved so much uh under antonio conte which is great doesn't mean you can't improve and if this is just a move to get a fourth center back for three spots and a guy who can really fill in in multiple positions and be a backup or occasionally start i'm all for it i I think that's the kind of competition that that breeds excellence and we know Dyer and Romero are going to be those stalwarts. We know that other position could be a little bit more of a, a rotating door. But it looks so. I, I, I like the, the the comparison to him being the Richarlison of the back line, um, because we know that you know between Richarlison and Kulusevski and Son and even Kane on some weeks uh, and for some games, I think that you know those are a lot of interchangeable parts that we could see form playing a factor. We could see injuries playing a factor. So if they're going to bring Lingley in to um you know to to be that kind of i don't know mix and match type of player i i see absolutely nothing wrong with that and um the fact that he can play you know he's left-footed and or 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 at least is strong with his left foot and can play on the left side can play centrally all of that i think is a you know a really big deal and it doesn't mean they're done either you know we still i think i think fans look at this move as like oh that's the center back they're going to bring in this summer um and there's still two freaking months left in the window like you never know what could happen and we haven't even really brought up names like joe rodon jaffa tanganga guys that could still be in the ether and could still be a part of this thing going into the season i think it's a really good deal from every angle i mean we haven't i don't i think i think i think joe rodon can play as a left side and center back because he has done that for wales and for swansea before we well, did have swansea before he came to Tottenham, and he has done that for wales but naturally, they want to want to play a, a naturally left-sided player there. But I like I like all aspects of this deal. Um, he 
is someone that will obviously know some of the, obviously will know Hugo Lloris and they'll help him settle. Uh, that's a good thing because you know, you'll play with Hugo. So that's some of that's familiarity there. If, um, whatchamacallit, if um, Emerson Royale is still there, that again helps him settle because they'll play together for Barcelona. And just in terms of the fiscal things of this thing, you know, um, and I'm sure Andrew did not punch in his bingo card for this, but Barcelona have had a lot of Bobby Bobby Vanilla deals over the last four or five years, which is the reason why they they we have we are able to get them on the cheap. And we and remember we we we've done we've, we've done our fair share with whoever that Bobby Vanilla guy is deal, but we haven't had as many as Barcelona. And um, yeah, and but that's one of the reasons we're able to get him on for a decent price. If he does well. He we, we hopefully will, he might want to stay on and keep him. If he doesn't do he, and, and some of the fast signings can say well, we want him back because they they can barely even register their um their free signings. So they have yeah. to they're like well do you know what we might even get for a discount down the line. So he, he might do very well for us, and then we'll say well look you can have him back, but you can't re-register many for you if you wanted to. So you might as well just give right. him to us for a decent price. So it's one of those everything smells really well. If he doesn't do that well, guess what? Like with Gallini. We say thank you, you know, and you move on, you move on. And here's the part of the podcast where I get to correct your pronunciation and say that it's Bobby Bonilla, not Bobby Manila, um, which I'm I'm happy to do. It's not a big deal. We we have different languages, even though we speak the same, you know, in quotes language. Um, But yeah, and also I did not expect I did not have it on my bingo card that you were going to make a Bobby Bonilla reference on this podcast today, but I'm delighted that you did. Um, Of course, for those American fans who know Bobby Bonilla Day was June uh, was July 1st. Um, And if you don't know what Bobby Bonilla Day is, just go Google it. Just Uh, look it up. And trust me, I think you've got Andrew. I think you've got about 13 more years that you can do so. So take your time. Yeah, exactly. You've got time. (laughs) If you want to if you want to learn about Bobby Bonilla Day, take your time. It's going to be going on for another you know decade plus. Um, no, I think those are all really good points though, Shubhan. I think that, you know, it, it's a, it, it's a loan deal and figure it out. Like it's, you know, there's no massive commitment here that they're making. Apparently they're going to pay a little more than half of his, like, I think it's 200, 200 million euro wage or 200 million pound. Maybe I can't remember, yeah, but like, whatever. 200,000, a week. which is put in context. Harry Kane is our highest earner on 200,000 a week. Mm-hmm. And long on I said two hundred million, didn't I? I meant two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand, and long ways on two hundred thousand at Barcelona. So that just shows the levels that they're working at in terms of you know that that that's the sound well, of their wage. Their wage structure is ridiculous, shoots. And yeah. I mean, there's no way that we're ever going to match that. Now, I, I think that just kind of moving on from this, Andrew, because um, I think that this guy has the opportunity to do something if he comes across the line. And we're excited for that. But I think looking to somebody that could be potentially more impactful and, and is English, uh, what do you think about Jed Spence? Is that guy coming in? Well, I, I think, first of all, I need to correct that I said Jed Spence was coming from Nottingham Forest. He's actually from Middlesbrough. He was on loan yeah. at Forest last year. Um, so I'll correct the record for, for there. Um, I, you know, Jed Spence, this is a guy that's been linked to Spurs kind of from the start of the summer. Uh, even going back to the tail end of, of last season. And there have been a lot of teams in on him. And it seems like, you know, again, not fully over the line, but it seems like Spurs have are, are, are getting there and, and about to get this thing across the line. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm on board. I, I don't I don't know what else to say other than there's wingbacks that are going to come into this club that Antonio Conte is going to be able to mold. And hopefully Jed Spence can be the next one. So I've, I've, I appreciate that. And, and I think that um, 
he's certainly one of those signings where if he came in and and we just said, hey, you're playing cups for us this year, like you're you're our our cup white right wing back, and, and we'll see you in some you know some ne- as needed minutes in the league. Um, I think that that would be a great opportunity for him to get better. And but I also want Hakimi really, really, really bad, and so <laughs> I'm not. And I think selfishly. That that might be why this is dragging out a little bit is because Paratici is doing a little cooking in France and trying to pull some shit off. But I don't know. We'll see. But I guess my question to you, Todd, is if he's the if 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 Jed Spence comes in is and is the 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 cup right wing back. Sure. Who, who who's the regular right wing back right now? Is it Emerson? Uh, Doherty plays in the league and Emerson it, plays in Europe. Okay, and 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 Darty is or sure switch those. Healthy? I don't give a shit. Are we sure he's healthy in a month? We of course know that he suffered a pretty bad injury toward the tail end of last season. Fuck Matty uh, Cash. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, are we sure that you know that Emerson is an answer? I think we've seen signs out of Emerson, but we've also seen he's taking you know, the starter right now. But I think so too, and I, and that's why I'm I'm curious as to you know I also think it's important that we note that this team I don't think needs six wingbacks, three on either side. I think that's probably too many, but I think. Four or five is probably the number. So well, I'm starting to try to piece all this together and find out where we go from from a wingback standpoint. Apologies for skipping ahead, but obviously the, the, some of the players will go South Korea for the preseason tour. Generally, what happens is if you're a player that's not going to move, then generally you tend to stay in Europe and uh, wherever. Generally, even if they're going to France, they'll still you'll still stay at home to do deals and everything else. So if Emerson is not on that South Korean trip. Then we've got a pretty good idea that he's not sticking around, and they've got someone else in mind. Because there's no point well, taking on on a tour that you're not going to be using, and you're going to be selling on. So yeah, yeah, I think the the wing back, the right wing back position is interesting. I think I think left wing back we kind of have sorted out at this point, right? And I think we're probably going to move Reggion on, and we're just trying to do that. But um, it it really comes down to whether or not we trust. Emerson and or slash Doherty and I I don't even know who to put first in this situation but I think my point is if we sign Jed Spence I feel very confident that Conte wants both of those two at the club kind of to Todd's point and and I think Emerson is fantastic to have around when you play a Liverpool when you play a City right he's good at absorbing pressure um and he's young and he's very committed and like the thing i love about emerson is he wants to learn and grow and get better you can totally tell right and his comps are bangers dude i love him man he's he's high spirited he's a happy dude it seems like like i love him and i want him at the club right so if we sign spence i think conte trusts in those two and doherty was banging when he got injured we can we have to say that right no, yeah, he, only, he only got a couple of games in his favored right wing back spot. He was covered on fire, the man. Yes. So like remember when we all thought the season was over when Darty got hurt? We all thought yeah, like yeah. we were doomed. Oh, yeah, seriously. You remember so, you remember during that time when Basuma made us look like an ass hat and uh for Brighton? Like it was ridiculous. And, and and I think that the moves that were being that are being made right now are to avoid that type of scenario next season. Mm-hmm. And so if we're looking yeah. at a depth chart in terms of, sorry, Scott, go ahead, finish your point. No, I'm just going to say, so it really comes down to how much we trust those two. And I think that's maybe what's there. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying we're trying to figure out if we trust them. I think Conte can find a way to do that, but I just think it's a nuanced situation. 
it sounds like we turned down a bid from Atletico Madrid for Emerson, which tells me a lot, right? Um, if we had no interest in him being at Tottenham, we just would have sold him to Atletico Madrid, I would imagine, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is don't be surprised to Todd's point and Andrew's point and, and everybody's point that to don't be surprised if, if both Doherty and, and Emerson are around and play next year, right? I, I totally agree with you. I think you brought up the name that is more likely to not be around, and that's Sergio Reguilon. And I think we, I think if you look at this from a depth chart perspective, you've got Perisic and Sessegnon on the left, and then you've got you know uh, Emerson and Darty on the right, with potentially Jed Spence coming in as kind of the supplemental um, wing back in that position. I also think there's going to be scenarios perhaps where you maybe see Sessegnon and Perisic play at the same time with Perisic going over the right. I, I know that's not his probably preferred side, but, but he could do it in a pinch, uh, if need be. And I think there's going to be scenarios where you potentially see that happen as well. And I think those five, if we're talking about those five names for those two spots, I don't really think that that's that bad. I think maybe you could throw one more name into the mix, um, just as a, you know, a real backup option, but I really think that that's, you know, that's decent depth for that spot. And you don't want to go too deep um, in that, in there, because, you know, you're going to want some, you're going to want rotation. Sure. But you're also going to want a little bit of consistency, even with all of the games that, that are, that are coming down the pipe for, for Tottenham Hotspur. Caroline, does that depth chart sound about right to you? Or, you know, I mean, they could even end up keeping Reggie around, I guess, and have three on left side and three on the right side when all is said and done. But I don't know. That, that seems like a lot of players to me. Yeah, I think with with the wing back depth chart, the only concern is, as you always say, availability. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's where you know, that's like, where my like nerves said, come in on Sessegnon too. We with Sessegnon, but also like as much as we were so impressed with Doherty at the end of last season before his injury, like we don't actually know how he's going to be after yep. this injury. Hundred percent. So that's for. For me, that's like the biggest concern. Um, I I think with our transfer window, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't brought in a wing back yet uh, because I think going into the transfer window, we were all sort of zeroing in on that position as a big priority. Um, so I, I think for my peace of mind, I would still like to see someone come in. Um, it is funny though. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that we signed Perisic because it happened so early in the window yeah. And every time I remember, I'm just like, oh, we have this amazingly versatile player. <laughs> um, so that was really great work by Paratici, I have to say. Um, but, you know, he's he's probably got something going on in the background and whether it ends up being Spence or the more flashy signing of Hakimi. I mean, I, I definitely think the right wing back spot is a bigger concern than left wing back at the moment. Well, and, and I think it's a good point. And I, it's funny because, like you said, the availability thing is big for me with Sessegnon. It's also the fact that to your point with Perisic, he could, you know, Sessegnon could play left way back and Perisic could slide in more of a midfield role. He could slide over on the right. Like he can play in a, in a myriad different places. And it's so funny. You say like, you, you forgot that we signed Ivan Perisic. Like, yeah, we did. And like, that's like a, that's such a, an afterthought at this point, especially with the Richarlison news and the Basuma news. And it's like, we're, we're starting to get into a mode where there are so many interchangeable parts within this team and a little bit of depth behind all of those, those interchangeable parts. I mean, you talk about this midfield when it's a midfield two, which we think it's going to be most of the time you're talking about, 
the idea of you know Hoybier and Skip and Bentoncourt and you know Basuma and like I said, maybe even Parasitch at times, and maybe even another one coming in, you know, and it's a midfield that you could really slide if you had to in, in, in some circumstances, you could slide like a player like Richarlison into a into a more forward midfield role to fit extra attackers on late in the game if you need it. Like there's so many, you know, malleable parts to to what could be in this eleven that it it that I think this is the part that has me most excited when you throw the Richarlison signing in and 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 all these other pieces. And it's this is what I was talking about earlier. It's like, wow, I'm I'm really interested to see how all of this fits together. And the wingbacks are a crucial part of it. This is a point that Scott made when we signed Conte is the wingbacks are what's going to make this thing tick. And when we saw Tottenham Hotspur clicking and really ticking at the end of last season, it was because the wingbacks were doing work and maybe Jed Spence can be a part of that. I think it would be really cool. Um, Let's go rapid fire as we kind of wind down here and talk a little bit about these uh, front office appointments. I guess you would call them the, the, all the talk has been about Gianni Vio, a set piece coach coming in, mm-hmm. and then Gretar Steinson, uh, new performance director, was officially announced. But let's let's focus on on Vio, the set piece coach. That is, I don't think it's official yet, but that's the word that he's coming in. Um, the, all the talk this week has been about the idea that this guy is almost like signing a ten to fifteen goal striker in uh-huh. all competitions. That sounds good to me. Like I'm on board, especially after they just signed Richarlison. Like no, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't be more fucking excited about this. So like this is something that I've been calling for for I don't know five six years at this stage of the game. Is it we're god awful on set pieces? And what everybody's thinking about right now is the amazing stuff that this guy's going to do offensively for our set piece game, which is extremely important. But what I want to talk about is how he's going to set us up to make sure we don't shit the fucking bed on a regular basis in crunch time from set pieces. And so that's the thing that as Spurs fans, you should be most excited about because I think that this is going to be good for about 10 goals on each side of the pitch this year, Andrew. Could be. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And, and I think the cool thing is that we saw improvement out of Spurs on both ends of set pieces um, down the stretch. If this can take them to even another level, I'm all in favor of it. And it's not just set pieces, too. I think it's important that we note that. You know, we're not just talking about free kicks. We're talking about goal kicks. We're talking about throw-ins. We're talking about everything. Yeah. The great line on this guy is, you know, there's really is like signing a 15 and 20 goal striker. I mean, players get injured, but there's, there's dead ball situations in every single match. And this guy figures out a way to exploit them the best. Uh, That's incredible. And I think that really the biggest piece here is what this guy's approach is that he comes in and he evaluates his players and then he used one of his one of his over 4,000 set piece plays that he's drawn up that's going to or set piece approaches that he's drawn up to best suit the players skill sets that he has to actually get players that are not regular scores on the, on the score sheet. So that's the type of stuff that I'm, if he can turn Eric Dyer into the type of guy that doesn't flash every single fucking header, he gets wide. Um, I, I'll be amped. If he turns Eric, go Eric Dyer into a four or five goal scorer in all uh-huh. competitions this year, like, Holy shit, that's four or five goals that were not coming last year. And if you add those up, you know, that's where you start to close the gap between teams like Tottenham and Liverpool and City because the goal gap there is still very, very big. And if you want to make that leap into that upper echelon, that's what you need to do. It's that marginal gain theory. It's what I don't know if you guys watch cycling or Tour de France or like that, 
the Team Sky, what's what they used to be called anyway, they were all about how can we get that extra 0. 0.0001 of a second? And that became like 0. 0.001, I mean, it's just incrementals. Yeah. And that's what we're doing because here's the thing, it's the fine margins that will win you the, the title. I mean, it, it's like, um, what's it? Um, two, was it three years ago, was it company scoring that ridiculous goal against Leicester and that's what kept Man City ahead. But that's because they just found that way to win. And I think Liverpool have a throwing coach, I think. I don't know yeah, if it's a set piece. But that's the thing. It's finding whatever you can do, say, what can I do just to get myself over the edge? And you see that with companies as well as clubs. Mm-hmm. Basically, we, basically the, the, high, the number one brand leader will spend three times as much on marketing as the number two. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got to do because you have to do whatever you can to get yourself on edge and get yourself up ahead of the line. And you know yeah, what? You, I mean, you make a great you make a great point there, Shubes. It, it really is about those fine margins. Like think of the Leicester City game that Stephen Bergvine won from us. We went from getting nothing to two minutes later getting everything, and it was the difference for us in Champions League. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that just to quantify, Palermo, which is where he first started, as in like he first got noted. I think Walter Zenga, uh, who actually brought him into Italian set, set, um, uh, coaching setup, saw him, you know, basically heard of this guy, brought him into Palermo. And I think half of Palermo's or a third of their goals came from set pieces. And that was a huge deal in keeping them up. Now, if you look at, say, how, look at Burnley. I mean, Andrew remembers the potato harvest we had back in February, wasn't it? Just about. Yeah, that's what Burnley do. That's what Burnley do. Burnley, Bolton, you've got numbers, organised, and if you can play it right, get the right delivery, that's it. And that gives you such an advantage. Now, Again, I'm not a gambling man. That, that, that's more Andrew's kind of thing. But I'm guessing the odds on our scoring from set pieces have drastically improved if we get this guy. There, there is there is a gambling angle to this that that you know I mentioned Eric Dyer. Like play, players like Eric Dyer, Christian Romero to score a goal normally get pretty long odds in games. You, you, your boys gonna be look at those uh, a little more often this year. Let's let's just say that. But I think the other part of this that that is not really front of mind, but I think that will come about. I'll be very interested to see how Harry Kane reacts if he's told he's not taking that free kick. Go ahead, Caroline. That's exactly where I wanted to go. Uh, my big hope with with Vio is that he sorts out our free kick taking situation. I, I remain thoroughly unconvinced that Harry Kane is a free kick scorer. So I think he needs to be taken off of them, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> And, you know, I, I think Sun and Dyer probably are the most likely candidates right now. Um, you know, I don't remember Perisic if he ever took any at Bayern, um, but he could be a possibility too. No, I, we, I, it, it can't be Kane. That's that's just the bottom line. Okay, that's fair Kane. enough. But I think one of the nice things about, about uh, the way that Conte works is that Conte commands every room he walks into. And because of that, what Conte says is what goes. And Harry Kane aside, if Vio comes in and says, no, 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 here's the deal. It's fucking Ben Davies every single time. And that's just what I want. Like, it's fucking Ben Davies every single time because that's what Vio told Conte and that's what Conte tells the team. So players aside, I think that's what's up. What I was going to say was there was a player, I think he interviewed with um, Eric Dyer on Spurs TV. 
And he goes, well, how come you're taking more free kicks? And I remember, honestly, I blame Thierry Henry because there's an interview that Thierry Henry did with Harry yeah. Kane. And he goes, well, if you can do this from this range, outside the box, then why can't you do it with a free kick? And he goes, well, Christian Harrison, he takes myself free kicks, but I've been sneaking a little bit. So I blame Thierry Henry. He, 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 the man's been like, was our downfall when he was playing against us. And now the guy is still playing against us now. He's, you know I mean, he's, he's a devil in Kane's ear. But hopefully, like I said, they'll do the stats, they'll do the numbers. And like, again, Jane talks about Conte saying it. I remember quite, Sam Allardyce's only game for him, the manager. He said, I'm, going to tell, I'm not going to tell Wayne Rooney not to do this. And I'm like, you're the manager. That's your, that's yeah. like your entire job to tell that person that you are not doing this. I mean, and again, going from, I'm going to mention Kaz's Spurs coach. I'm sure he saw a bunch of people that, you know what? You're not doing this anymore or you are doing this. I have no idea what his name is. Kaz will probably scream at me for not knowing the name. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's about having the stones as a manager to say, this is what we're doing. We are doing this way. And you don't like it. There's a door. Scotty, bring us home on the video conversation. Honestly, I don't know anything about this guy, but I <laughs> there it is. I, I will, I will, I will bring in the viewpoint of of probably eighty percent of Spurs fans, right, who don't know anything about this guy. And I would just say, thank fuck, we brought someone in on set pieces because we have been so bad. And honestly, you could have told me any fucking name out of the eight billion humans on the planet, and I would have said good. <laughs> Good thing, good job bringing someone in to fucking fix that pieces because they were so so bad. So I'm glad to hear you guys speak so highly of this guy. And I will say, all jokes aside, as we're seeing right now, this is one of the most attractive clubs on the planet to join, and that includes the coaching staff, right? So I'm not surprised at all to to hear this that the best set piece coach on the planet wants to come work for Conte. For Levy at Tottenham Hotspur, it's it's not surprising, and that's a really good feeling. Fair enough. Um, moving on, the, we, 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 we've kind of chopped all of that up, uh, I, I think, sufficiently. Um, we did get word this week, and, and we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago uh, after the club announced the signing of Yves Basuma. Uh, we had a really important conversation about what that meant for the club. Uh, you guys turned that episode uh, with, I think, a little bit of help from the guys over at the Extra Inch, giving it a, a nod um, into our most listened to episode ever, uh, which we appreciate. Uh, if you haven't heard that conversation, please go back and listen to it. Uh, we we meant every word of it. But we did get word this week, um, as first reported by the Daily Mail, that uh, and Sussex Police kind of backed this up with a, a statement um, in reference to Ibasuma, he was, he, you know, saying that he was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault and has now been released with no further action to be taking. So essentially cleared of, you know, the 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 sexual assault charges that were, um, you know, not officially levied against him. But they also say Sussex Police does that the investigation is ongoing and no additional information is available at this time, um, which is a pretty standard response. And you know, essentially. Word is that 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 Basuma is now in the clear uh, from all of the things that were overhanging him uh, potentially in terms of criminality and legality and all of those things. Um, again, if you want to hear our grander thoughts on this, go back a couple weeks to to our episode and listen to that. Um, but I think the, the the game we play, and not to trivialize this with a game, more a way to get a, get us into a conversation is: is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal? I tend to think this is also a little bit of a deal. I think this is important 
piece in the evolution of Ibasuma becoming a Tottenham Hotspur player, which has obviously already happened. Um, him being cleared of this and, you know, hopefully moving on. I don't think that it, it, you know, justifies anything. I don't think that it, um, you know, I don't think that we, we go back and say, see, no big deal. I think it was still an important conversation to be had a few weeks ago when it was had. And I also think that this is what we all hoped the outcome would be going forward. We've obviously now gotten it within a few weeks, hopefully, and hopefully this this matter with Basuma specifically can be put to rest um, going forward and, and we can kind of move along from it there. But just wanted to kind of put that out there. Todd, you know, again, not to trivialize it, but big deal, little deal, no deal to you. It's a big, it's a huge deal. The first thing that we have to say whenever we're having this conversation is there's still a victim out there and their feelings need to be uh at the the forefront of our mind as we have this discussion 100%. Um, this, the second thing that we need to say is huge shout to the organization of tottenham hotspur for doing their due diligence and ensuring that this 25 million dollar commodity that they're looking to purchase don't have a legal cloud hanging over its head for much longer um at, at least one with merit uh the additional thing that we need to say here is for some people this does not remove doubt about Eve Basuma. Um, and so I want to make sure that we hold space for that conversation. But I also want to um, interject the fact that there's nothing worse in the world than being accused, accused of something that you didn't do. And, you know, even if the, the thing that's tough about that is that for some people, there will still be a cloud of suspicion around him, despite the the, the fact that and I don't want to get into the specifics here, but all of the legal checkpoints at no point was there ever further action taken against him. It was always uh, in suspicion of uh, involvement in there was never any specific evidence, as there have been for many other players that still play Premier League football, <clears throat> uh, actual evidence saying that he had there was any wrongdoing that he was culpable for. As an organization, this is a huge deal because we made a, uh, a very intelligent move for an extremely valuable player and took a risk on a storyline because we did our due diligence. And I think, again, that goes back to my original point about how this offseason has been done with logic and reason. And I feel like this decision and how this played out lines up directly with that approach. I would say big deal in the sense that I can actually find myself able to cheer for him this season. So that's a positive thing. I still, it still doesn't take away the negative feelings I had towards the club about the decision to sign him because I, for me, it was never about like Basuma as an individual, like his individual situation. It was more about, the message the club was sending about how seriously sexual assault is taken by the league as a whole. Um, so that hasn't changed. I'm glad that his personal situation has been resolved now. You know, that's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for the club, but I still think, and this is like something I've been grappling with over the past couple of weeks for like obvious reasons, but I don't know. It can be really hard to be a fan of soccer if you're not a cisgender man. And that's, I, I'll just leave it there. No, I, I think it's a really good point, Caroline. And I, I, 
I yeah. I appreciate you saying that it, it's still tough in regards to the club's approach because we also don't know if there were well in terms of timelines we talked about a couple of weeks ago there are there are obviously timelines set by transfer windows and those kinds of things and we don't know exactly and we we may never know you know not only what happened in this situation and who was actually involved but we all may, we, we will probably never know what the club's timeline was for all of this and and what they were able to find out and why they made this decision but it it, 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 it they did put everyone including all of the non you know cisgendered white males out there in a really weird spot um to have to decide whether or not to, to decide on their feelings about this a few weeks ago and that's what made it uh awkward and a and a, and a difficult thing to discuss and and we hopefully were able to you know make that a discussion um on a grander scale and 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 you know, hopefully, hopefully we're able to approach it in an appropriate manner. Scott, did you have anything you wanted to add on this? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, this, this doesn't really change anything. Um, and I, and I really, I, I of course have to give clarity and explain what I mean by that. I think you guys and anyone who listened to our, our conversation on this knows that 1000% of my discontent stem from the club's decision around the optics and, and, you know, the, how it ostracized so much of his fan base, as you guys just discussed. Now for Eve Basuma, I, you know, we, we know that often men who commit sexual assault are never charged, right? We know that. Now we also know that black men, at least in this country, are falsely accused of sexual assault at a much higher rate than white men. So for black men, this is a huge victory. This says the system did its job and cleared a black men of, of sexual assault charges. We can help, right? There's still always going to be doubt because of how often we know men go uncharged for sexual assault. So it's very nuanced still. Now, it changes nothing for me because Tottenham Hotspur made a decision and from the perspective of, of optics, at least, a very poor decision, right? And for me, I almost think it cuts a little bit deeper now that I, now that this came out two weeks later, because my gut says, and I'm speculating here, right? Sometimes it's unfair to speculate in these when when I, when things can be so emotional, right? But I think the club probably knew he was going to get cleared. We got him for a steal, as we've said. Probably because we this was going on, so I don't really like always love that, right? But ultimately, I I believe the club knew he was going to get cleared and said we can't wait till that comes out because somebody's going to get him for this price point before that happens, right? And that's yeah. what I think about this. Like I just I think we were worried that we were going to miss him if we waited for him to be cleared publicly, and that does not sit well with me. So I don't know. I still don't like it, but. I'm very happy for Eve Basuma. And like Caroline, I find myself inching closer towards being able to maybe root for him in a Spurs shirt. Because like I said in our first conversation, without him being cleared of any wrongdoing, I wasn't going to be able to root for Tottenham with him on the field, yet alone him in a Spurs shirt, right? So like I'm Same. inching closer. 
tough. But I still am just very disappointed in Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and that's not that's not going to change. And it, I'm probably more disappointed now that the timeline can be pieced together. Yeah, and 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 I think it's important to say I, all your points are well taken. It is a lot of speculation on the timeline and and how this all we played had out. We was coming out weeks later. You, there's no you there's would no you would think so. If we did it, there's no you. Way. you you would think so, but it's it's a mystery, and it's uh, these are all unanswerable questions. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, the thing we say when we don't know something is, "I don't know." We none of us know. None of us can say definitively what happened or how this all played out. Um, not only from the incident itself, but from the way that the signing went, the way that the actual transfer business was 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 completed. We can only you know. Uh, we can only speculate and that's not a, not a thing that we love to do. We, we like to have definitive answers and we don't have any. And until we do, we'll continue to say, we don't know. Um, yeah. Which is, and, which and is honestly, and, I think, yeah. And, and, and maybe the, as I look back, like saying I'm more disappointed is probably unfair because you know, the club, the club, when, when you just look at the facts, the club has signed someone that has been cleared of wrongdoing. I'm happy for him. Right. So to say I'm more disappointed is actually unfair, but it just doesn't change anything for me, right? Um, I, me saying the, the the two weeks later of the release of information, the club knowing that, total speculation. Like I can't use that as my basis for discontent, right? But I will just say again, nothing changes. The club made a decision that, from a perspective of optics, was terrible, and I'm very happy for Ibasuma that he's been cleared of 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 these charges, right? As a black man, that's a huge victory. Yeah, no question. Um, we're not going to wrap this podcast on this much of an awkward, um, weird, you know, conversation. We're going to wrap it by uh, giving a shout out to two more winners as a part of the Tottenham Hotspur team. Uh, Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett are European champions on the under-19 side. They won with England, uh, defeating Israel on Friday 3-1 in the, in the European under-19 championship final. Uh, Shuban, I know that you were really in tune on this and watching, watching a lot of uh, Divine and Scarlet were like a really big part of the England squad. Well, there were, there were three of them. So there was after Divine, um, after Divine's, Dane Scarlet, and another guy, Carly Chromeka. I'll pronounce his name properly. He was doing very well. But I've got to give credit. You know, I thought when I was watching this game, I thought this, this would be a procession because we'd pee in Israel with basically, um, uh, basically like a, a quite a lot of five arrested players and i thought okay we'll walk this and israel kicking the crap out of us the first half and then somehow we managed to get get get, get an equalizer take it into extra time and then obviously we got the goal and then they, they they had to come out but no i mean like this is good experience for them i don't think this will change their destinations come the you know like in next year as in like loans whatever i'm hoping they get loans and I hope they get loaned together because Alfie Devine I mean he's got he has got you know the guy is 17 I think he's just he just makes the cutoff and Dane Scarlett is not that much older but you know what they've done well and now it's about going back I think it'd be interesting whether uh Conte takes them to South Korea for the uh, preseason tour so you can have a really good look at them Fair enough. Uh, as you mentioned, Spurs off to South Korea on Saturday. Uh, camp kind of starts in full this week. Uh, we got we had we saw a bunch of players 
popping back into Hotspur Way last week to to get things rolling a little early. Some of the the injured players, I, I think Parasich was even in there early. Uh, everyone's coming back this week. Camp is is you know it gets off and running this week, and the club is off to South Korea for those couple of preseason friendlies in the in the next coming weeks. And things are going to really start ramping up here. We're uh, we're ramping up as well. It is a really really exciting time to be a fan of this club. And, uh, you know, it's a really exciting time to, to be a listener of the Tottenham Depot. We're, we're, we're coming up on one year of doing this podcast, and I cannot, uh, I cannot emphasize enough how appreciative we are for all of you who have gotten us to this point and listened and uh, shared and liked and, and followed and all of the things that you do as a podcast listener. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, contributing and giving feedback and all of that. Uh, leave us a rating and review on whatever your podcast app of choice is. Uh, give us a follow at Tottenham Depot on all the socials. You've got your Twitter, you've got your Instagram, you've got your TikTok. I'll run down our social media handles as well. Caroline is at CG Stefko. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Shuban is at The Real Shuban. Todd is at TC underscore Kasho. I am at A Stetka. And once again, more importantly, follow us all at Tottenham Depot on the socials. Uh, until next week when we will be talking... We'll be, I guess we'll be previewing preseason matches by the time oh, we, shit. We, we get to next week. Uh, we will talk to you then. This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, what really makes this happen supporters make this club and you the listener are what make this podcast possible be sure to follow us on twitter at tottenham depot and as always come on you spurs